Welcome and thank you for joining the Society for Clinical Research Sites for SCRS Talks. I'm Jimmy Bechtel, the Society's Vice President for Site Engagement. SCRS Talks is a program that allows our partners and those that we work closely with to take a few minutes to address things like industry concern, share exciting achievements, and learn more about our community. Today, we have Todd Albin again with us. Todd is the Chief Executive Officer at Cedar Health Research. Uh, Todd, again, is here with us to talk a little bit more about some recent trends and observations from the site community within SCRS related to budgets and contracts. Todd, thanks for being with us today. If you would mind, uh, we'd love to hear about you. Maybe give us your background and uh, what, what you're doing at Cedar Health Research. Absolutely. Uh, thank you, Jimmy, and uh, thanks for inviting me on to talk about this important topic. Um, uh, as, I as you mentioned, I'm the CEO for Cedar Health Research. We're a multi-therapeutic site and patient network uh, that is operating presently out of the Texas area. Uh, we have an operating model where we partner with community health practices, uh, integrating AI machine learning technology into electronic health record systems to expand clinical trial access opportunities to their patients uh, and to provide a, a more robust, uh, diverse enrollment uh, for sponsors as well. Um, a background about myself, I've been in the clinical trial industry for over 25 years. Uh, over 20 years um, spent operating clinical trial sites of various types, uh, practice integrated, standalone uh, site networks. Uh, also spent uh, a little over five years in the CRO industry provider space, uh, working on patient recruitment retention solutions and development of investigator site networks. Great, Todd. Again, thanks for being with us today. Uh, Todd, you had recently posted in the SCRS online member community that you've been experiencing a particular trend in your budget and CTA negotiations with our sponsors. So can you start us off and share a little bit about what you've been seeing and what, what that trend kind of centers around? Yeah, ab absolutely. Um, so, you know, in essence, you know, we all understand that that, you know, time is always of the essence during the startup process, uh, post study award, you know, to get that that first patient screened, you know, you know, in, in terms of, you know, most sites and the way our sites operate, you know, we, we will, um, you know, in good faith, uh, you know, begin, you know, contract and budget negotiation in parallel with with doing regulatory startup and training. Uh, typically, the sponsor or CRO managing the budget negotiation will establish, you know, a deadline when they would like the CTA to be executed um, and, and obviously, you know, set some some expectations in terms of from the site on, on our ability to respond to the budget and respond to the CTA and the other documents that need to be reviewed um, and, and with a goal to get it done at a particular time. So um, what we find as a site is, you know, we're often meeting uh, those turnaround times, despite the number of studies you might have in that in that startup phase, you know, working with both our financial and legal teams to get these reviews done and turned around. Um, where on the sponsor side, um, the responses, uh, you know, tend to take uh, weeks um, instead of the same days and expectations they have for, for us to turn things around in, you know, sometimes 24, 48 hours. Um, and what's happening is uh, there's a lot of pressure on our clinical teams to get the site initiation visit scheduled. Um, and the really uh, disturbing uh, trend that we've seen is that um, the sponsor will go, you know, radio silent on, you know, our latest round of, of requested changes 
patients. Um, and then as the SIV date approaches, um, we get we start, you know, we get the turnaround with maybe a couple of days to go. Uh, and, the, and the sponsor basically saying, you know, you have to accept this as is um, or we're going to cancel your SIV and we're not sure when we're going to be able to activate your site. Um, so it's essentially become a bully tactic um, to pressure the sites to to accept uh, that last turn and kind of break down the negotiation. At least that's how it is received for us on the site and putting a lot of pressure on us. Um, and that um, I saw in at least uh, three three cases in the last quarter alone um, with some very important studies. And, and that's why I raised it to the community to see if other sites were experiencing this because I felt, um, you know, whether or not it was a coordinated tactic or a, a purposeful tactic or strategy, uh, it's important for the sponsors and CRO, CROs to know that this is how it is being interpreted at the site um, and really putting undue pressure on us to accept terms that are either financially or legally, um, you know, unacceptable to the site. Or, or risk um, losing out and getting initiated and perhaps, you know, uh, falling back or behind on, on enrollment uh, against other sites and potentially some very competitive studies. Thanks, Todd. It doesn't sound like a conducive um, partnership to me. And uh, I know that's something that we have strived for as a community. Uh, and you've been involved for a very, very long time in helping to make that happen. And as you mentioned, a variety of different capacities. So uh, hearing trends like this start to rear their ugly head is never a good thing. Uh, and as you mentioned, posting it to the community, trying to see if others are experiencing that, um, they also shared that they've been seeing an uptick in this type of behavior uh, and or this type of tactic from the sponsors and CRO. So what are some of the ways that you think sites and sponsors start to get back to working together towards mutually beneficial solutions. Well, you know, other sites recommended this, and this is, you know, an unfortunate thing that, that we might have to adopt, which is not to agree to schedule the site's the site initiation visit um, until there is actually an agreement and executed CTA. And of course, you know, the, the scheduling on the on the CRO side can be very complicated. There's, you know, folks that have to travel to a lot of different sites. I've been on both sides of this. I understand how complicated it is. Um, but, um, you know, that that is one particular tactic. But that can also put the site at a disadvantage if it's, supposed, if it's expected to be a conversion very competitive, fast and rolling study, you know, you want to be able to start up as quickly as the other site. So if you take that chance as a site, you know, you, you certainly are putting yourself at some risk there. Um, you know, established agreed upon response times on both sides. They're asking for, you know, a service level on the site side to respond within a certain period of time. Um, the sponsors should commit and, and provide that. Um, one a really important thing is to provide the budget back to the site in a per visit per procedure format, um, because what will happen is if we just get it as a lump sum per visit, um, which a lot of sponsors do, and we believe this is another tactic too that that really thwarts our ability to properly analyze a budget. Uh, any professional site, you know, is going to take that and have to go back to the protocol, build out a spreadsheet, line item every item and every procedure, build in your costs and understand, you know, what, what needs to be charged for that. That takes time. That takes considerable time from, from the costly members of your financial team. And that time is going to get charged back to the sponsor in the terms of what we're going to ask back in a startup payment because now you just drove up our administrative time um, on managing the budget. 
um, you know, verify, you know, on the sponsor side that the budget is inclusive of all the startup and protocol requirements. Um, oftentimes, this is a huge delay um, because, you know, they're offering basically, uh, you know, a fee that's, you know, for startup that should be inclusive of training requirements or vendor setup, things of that nature. Um, but they're not being transparent as far as what that means. Um, and any good site, it needs to know that if we're if we're going to be expected to support uh, trainings on various portals and get different vendors set up and certified and need to pay our vendors to do those certifications, that's all of our costs that has to be built into the startup. And if the sponsor's not transparent with that, we can't come to an agreement on the startup fee. Uh, oftentimes, you know, these questions are, um, can't be answered by the financial teams on the sponsors. And what is happening is they have to go back to their clinical teams um, or they ask us to follow up the clinical teams on the sponsor CRO side. Very unresponsive. No one really seems to have the knowledge um, and that just delays it as well. Um, another another piece, which is, I think, also a tactical thing, is that some sponsors and CROs will purposely leave out the indemnification language, um, maybe in the hope that, you know, the site is not savvy enough to, to pick that up. But we always have to end up asking for it and as a separate document, um, just include the indemnification up front. Um, any good site that, that operates good clinical research is going to ask for that indemnification language. If they don't, they're probably not a site you should be talking to about clinical research anyways. Uh, you know, be responsible, be responsive in clarifying the scope of clinical procedures. Um, you know, had, had a budget, you know, the other day that, you know, was was offering just a very small fee for, um, you, know, you know, subject diary review at each visit. Um, but what it left out was that the protocol required that the site actually review the diaries every single day, um, including weekends, follow up with the patients um, if, there were, if there were any issues with these diaries. And as all of us know, there are always issues and challenges with these diaries. Um, but they wanted to charge a very nominal fee and the, the person negotiating the budget, you know, only was looking at a fair market value for doing the review at the visit. So, again, the budget was not inclusive of all the procedures that the clinical team was being asked of. Um, and that's always usually a disconnect between the sponsors, you know, financial and clinical groups on the same study. Um, and then lastly, you know, have a single point of contact that can quarterback all of the document reviews that are required. And, and these are becoming more comprehensive. It used to just be a CTA and a budget, but now the letter indemnification is a separate item, the budget's a separate item, and the payment terms are a separate item. So sometimes we're dealing with four different contacts on the sponsor and CRO just to get all these buttoned up ahead of time. Thanks, Todd. And one of the things that I really keyed in on and, and truly was in my mind as you were we're talking about this and the members were discussing this issue on the online community uh, is that concept of the good sites are going to be the ones and you had mentioned this the good sites are going to be the ones that are negotiating they're going to be coming back to you with the changes to the CTAs to the uh, modifications and the negotiation around the budget etc it's the sites that don't do any of this or accept things carte blanche that are the ones that you're having you like you said you probably don't want to do clinical research with because they likely don't have the the depth of experience that you're looking for. There's there's good sites out there, and the good sites are the ones that are negotiating for themselves and advocating um, on behalf of the what they need from a contractual and budgetary standpoint. So, in my mind, I think uh, you know we need to step back and realize that as as an industry partnership, and not penalize or punish or 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 use. Um, disadvantageous tactics 
when those kinds of activities do happen, because again, those activities are performed by the sites that know what they're doing. So uh, I think that's a powerful message for us to take back to our sponsors and CROs that might be listening to these um, and include in some of the further conversations that we have around uh, this, this topic. Uh, no, absolutely. Well, uh, Todd, you did allude to it uh, uh, clearly through through some of the things that you had said, but uh, maybe specifically talk a little bit about how this practice impacts site sustainability long term, as well as uh, contextualizing it in the in the, the 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 picture of patients and the studies and their viability overall. Absolutely. I mean, ultimately, you know, this puts a, a big strain across the site enterprise. Um, you know, the it, it's a huge strain on the administrative resources at the site. So, you know, your you know your overhead group, your your um, you know, in terms of your your startup cost and all of that. You know, this is you know, and any good site is not going to be you know. Sometimes I feel like the sponsors feel like the, you know a research site. This is the only study they're working on with the sponsor, and we're just sitting back, just waiting for the you know to get this one study going. Well, that's that's never the case. There would never be any research sites in business. We need to have many sites, uh, studies, and startup to, to be an effective business at each site. Um, so, so it really strains our administrative resources, you know, the back and forth, the waiting, the delays. It disrupts clinical team planning. These studies are extremely complicated, large staff burdens, you know, blinded and unblinded teams, lots of training pieces that have to be done. Um, and when all of these things are up in the air um, and we're not getting answers on, on particular budget and contract items, we really can't commit those resources, you know, to to fulfilling those requirements so that everything can happen really efficiently. Uh, absolutely disrupts recruitment efforts. You know, recruitment efforts need to be kind of planned and, and established and set up weeks ahead of, of the target green light date. And if that num date keeps missing, uh, moving around because of the sponsor delays, then, you know, it really affects the ability to, to plan to be able to get those patients in the door, you know, as quickly as possible after you're after you're activated. Um, and then when you have participants already lined up again if you're a good site you're going to get your patients you know prepped and locked and loaded um then you got to keep moving them around and rescheduling them and each time you do that you lose a certain percentage of patients who get frustrated and lose interest um you know we, we just had a situation on one of these studies where it was a rollover um extension budget to a study that wasn't previously planned um and by the time that you know we we finally got activated half of our eligible patients after being jockeyed around so much you know decided they weren't no longer interested so um it, it certainly impacts all of those all of the elements here and it ends up you know working against you know all of the key stakeholders in the study enterprise the site the sponsor and the patient that's right todd and that that trifecta of disadvantageousness is really uh uh, what we're trying to address through this conversation and again i think this will be something that we talk about throughout the year uh in various forums including the summits and and, and articles and, and webinars and whatnot and i know that we on a monthly basis, try to um, bottle the conversation that happens on the online community and present that to our GIPs, our global impact partners, um, which consists of sponsors, CROs, and, and professional service providers in the, in the industry, and let them know what the sites are talking about on the online community in, in blind, anonymous and, and viable and valuable ways for them so that they can understand what some of the challenges the sites are facing. So I know that this is something that we are, we'll be putting together for our sponsor and CRO partners, but uh, the speaking to those those partners, how will the site and sponsor CRO relationship be impacted by this trend if it continues to go down this path? 
Well, I think number one, it just drives further acrimony and distrust on both sides. You know, we're, we know the whole goal is is for you know we want you know sites want to be felt like partners, um, not but not as just vendors uh, to be you know driven into the ground with with uh, you know very aggressive um, you know negotiation tactics and and you know sites good sites are going to decline the studies in response to CROs that are using these tactics if they have alternatives and if if they were bullied into accepting poor terms terms, um, you know, because we have to make a business decision at the end of the day, you know, because we've already put a lot of investment into the study and we've, you know, we already got patients excited about it or whatnot. Um, you know, we're going to, you know, we're going to deprioritize these studies in favor of the ones where we had a more favorable outcome. Uh, we might pause enrollment to renegotiate terms, particularly on things like screen failures, um, you know, and we'll focus our resources where we have better studies uh, that we have open to recruit. So this is, you know, sponsors always wonder, like, why is all of a sudden the site, you know, de, you know, deprioritizing my study? It's probably trickles back to what went on during the budget and contract negotiation and how that was handled. Um, professional sites, good sites that have reliable quality performance that take the time to effectively analyze and negotiate CTAs and budgets will not work with the sponsors that operate this way um, because it's just not sustainable to our business. Um, and then good sites, you know, won't be part of, of of these studies, and you know, you'll be left working, you know, potentially with with you know the ones that agree to anything, but then just don't perform for you and that doesn't help anybody it's a, uh, another iteration of that that point todd and uh, i appreciate the kind of the summation of that into um, a, a statement that i hope again our sponsors and cro partners can take back to their teams and iterate the importance of navigating uh, this challenge and addressing this uh, this issue that's going on uh, Todd, I want to begin to wrap up here, and I want to talk a little bit about the SCRS uh, Site Invoiceables Toolkit that we released that helps sites address and assure that they're getting uh, appropriate payment for the cost of running a clinical trial, especially around things like the hidden costs that aren't typically uh, accounted for in our budgets. How will having appropriate justifications for some of the costs specifically help address the challenge that we've been discussing a little bit today? Yeah, you know, we found this in in our our you know our finance manager found this to be one of the most valuable tools, um, you know, and resources we we've had you know since we've worked with SCRS really essential to help us, you know, standardize the site community to standardize, you know, how we approach addressing sponsors with these hidden costs um, and, and to really, you know, just just eliminate this, this you know, another tactic that's, that's extremely frustrating is, well, you're the only site to ask for this. Um, so obviously, if, if all of the, the really good sites and then the site members of SCRS tend to be the, you know, in my experience, you know, the cream of the crop in terms of, you know, their, their professional sites, their well on organizations, great focus on enrollment and quality, the sites that sponsors want to be working with. Um, if we're all unified in, in how we approach and ask for these items that are typically less left out, hidden costs, things that the sponsor will say is that's the cost of doing business. Well, the business is running your study and those costs have to be recognized in your study budget. If we're all um, aware of those and asking them for, the, for them and, and being very careful to identify them, um, they won't be so hidden in the future. They'll, they'll start actually appearing uh, on the study budgets. And, you know, I think a lot of times, you know, sponsors, you know, especially if they're limited in experience, they think they're either dealing with, you know, private
private practices that are doing research on the side or, or large academic centers. And, you know, in reality, you know, the, the large bulk of, the, of these sites, you know, we're professional businesses who want to do it the right way. But we want to be recognized for all the costs it takes to run their studies. And the only revenue we receive is the revenue for operating these studies. So all of those costs need to be met in those study budgets. And, um, you know, tools like what you provided here um, really, really give us a way to, to do this in a professional and appropriate and efficient way. Um, and I hope that all the sites are reviewing this and adopting it um, and using the, these uh, justifications. So again, that it becomes more of the standard norm um, rather than it being uh, an outlier or getting that consistent pushback from the sponsor because it's not something they've traditionally um, been, been used to uh, compensating for. Um, and again, um, otherwise, again, these high performing sites will, will work with the sponsors who recognize their costs and, and compensate for them and will not work with the, with the ones who, who, uh, who tend to be stuck in an antiquated um, you know, uh, model in terms of how they, they value sites and how they, they uh, value them as partners versus vendors. That's right, Todd. Thank you for those points. And uh, I, I agree. I hope that a lot of our site community recognize the value and begin to adopt this. I know several have, uh, but it's that that consistency, that unified voice, the, the, the masses that are moving in the same direction with some of the tools and resources that SRS puts out, like this Invoiceables toolkit that I think uh, truly show the power and the value of the clinical research site community. And as you've mentioned several times now, the quality uh, uh, research site that are the ones that you truly want uh, conducting your clinical research studies. So thank you for those thoughts. And Todd, thank you for being here with us again today. Thank you for sharing your valuable insights into this challenge that we're seeing in the industry and some of the solutions, as always, that we can look towards as uh, a partnership what should be a partnership between sponsors, CROs, and sites on behalf of patients uh, so that we can continue to advance clinical trials. So thank you again for being here. Thank you for having me, and um, I look forward to working with you with more of these initiatives. Make sure that you register for upcoming summits being held throughout the year by visiting our summit page. Some of our summits that are coming up include the SCRS West Conference taking place in Scottsdale, Arizona, June 7th through the 8th. While you're on our website, be sure to also check out other SCRS publications built for our community, as well as some of the resources we mentioned on the call today in the publications and resources sections of myscrs.org. We appreciate everyone's participation in today's program and look forward to having you join us for more great content. Thanks for listening.